It's Tennessee Titans talk. Fellas, we got a win. They didn't make it easy for us in the stands. We had to wait and watch the Titans not score in the second half. But we got on the win column. It was more, for me guys, more relief than anything else. Obviously one of those games where we could have just laid down and we could have gone 0-3, but we didn't. And I mean, it wasn't for a lack of the Raiders trying, to your point. No second half scoring by us at all. Some concerns, but a win in the NFL is a win. Landon, you weren't able to attend the game feeling a little under the weather, so we got the pleasure of, of your mom, Meredith, in your seat. Tell us how the game hit you from home. Well, I'm just really happy that my bribe to Darren Waller went through the system because he <laughs> might have just saved our season because he was pretty much the sole reason we didn't either go to overtime or lose. I would say from what you said, the feeling in the stands was was what I felt but magnified, especially on offense in that second half where it's just, you can see just Todd Downing turtle up in real time. And it's so yeah. frustrating because we saw that on our last offensive possession. We were up eight. We had the ball at our own 10-yard line. There's four minutes left. You're trying to kill the clock, trying to win the game here. And it goes, Henry run. I remember the second down option. Then the third down was a really bad pass, and we punted. And we weren't even trying to win the game. It was like, we were trying not to lose. We weren't trying to throw a pick six or fumble. And when you've been in a game where the first half, we scored three straight touchdowns like it was nothing. You can't go into that drive going, all right, we'll just try and win the field position game again. We're not playing the 85 Bears defense. We can do right. something against them, and we didn't. He's right, big big fella. It's, it's frustrating to see them just absolutely put the training wheels on the offense once they get up. Yeah, it's horrible. I We talked about it a couple weeks ago. I mentioned we're not a team that ever goes for the jugular when we're up. Like, we got to start to be like some stone-cold killers and start to put people on notice. The narrative for the past, uh, not even just this, the past three weeks, for the past couple years is we get a lead and then we play not to lose. If you do that, you're going to lose more games in, you know than you're expecting to. When we had Arthur Smith, that was sometimes an option, but we always came out of the second half firing on all cylinders, and we scored a lot in the second half to make up for that tendency to just try and play it safe. Now, especially under Downing, and part of that is last year we were so injured, but this year we've seen it's more just the tendencies of the play caller. We're not scoring in the second half, so it's either score a bunch in the first half when there's when the other team is still trying to make adjustments and we just hope and pray that our defense is missing half its starters on IR that is playing guys off the street at cornerback the entire game. We hope it holds up for 30 minutes against an NFL team with good weapons and a good quarterback. And that's just not a recipe for success. I have not seen any halftime adjustments. And usually this team, you know, in seasons past, will be fighting and then we'll go into halftime and we'll make an adjustment. The adjustment has been that they quit taking shots when they're up. Well, yeah. Because Brian Dayball beat them. And really, I think the only reason why we won is because we were up by eight points instead of seven. I think Brandon makes a good point. I I think we got lucky. We're going to have to do differently. We're going to have to figure out how not only to make adjustments, is to get the shadow of the Bengals game and those interceptions out of us and start going down the field and continue to try to score points after we're up. Yep, have to. Guys, who stood out to y'all individually? Who looked really good to you? Who do you think was the difference? We'll start with you, Lynn. It was really nice to see Robert Woods actually on the field and getting targets because through the first two weeks, he probably had three or four. And I was really just wondering, like, is it just bad usage? Is he struggling to come back? Is he just kind of old? But he looked really good. And a lot of his production came 
early on when we were just walking up and down the field. But he yeah. looked really good on those crossers over the middle, off play action. His best game is a tie-in. Right. Hopefully he'll just continue to improve, which is really good. He had a big game. Traylon Burks was pretty much yeah. invisible, but I think a lot was. of that was because Woods was just doing so well. Yeah, Robert Woods had nine targets, caught four passes, 85 yards, and he had, of course, we know a 41-yard reception was huge. Traylon Burks, only uh, two targets and a reception for 13 yards. Big fella, who stood out to you? Obviously, Bayard came up with a really big pick, so it's easy to kind of say him, but I was really impressed with McCreary. Yeah, sure, he wasn't perfect, and he had he made some mistakes, but he was physical, he was aggressive, yeah. he made some plays, and that's kind of what we need from our cornerback, and which is why a second-round pick, McCreary, is starting over Caleb Farley, and who was limited to one snap. That's more of the kind of stuff we need to see. Yeah, McCreary isn't going to light up pro football focus for last week, but he was out there, and he's super tough. He's super physical. I think they're going to build that room around him. I really do, mm-hmm. to your point about previous first-round pick. They're going to have a hope that he reaches the ceiling, but McCreary is the guy they're going to model the whole room after, I think. I really liked him. I like to see Derrick Henry really persevere through the lack of opportunities that he has to have an open field. 20 carries, 85 yards, a touchdown. He had five receptions for 58 yards. Now, when he catches the ball, it doesn't look natural. But he gets the ball, secures the ball, five catches on six targets. So I I think Henry, and we know that he earned every yard that he got Sunday. He was still getting hit by unblocked defenders, which cannot continue to happen. But he was able to make the most out of it, mostly in part because Chandler Jones kind of disappeared and they don't have a rotation like in Buffalo. If we don't fix those issues, we're going to be in some big trouble, though. But it, yeah, Henry did Henry things. I agree. Uh, Landon, you weren't there, but it was really interesting. Raiders have a reputation for having such a good fan base and a tough and unique fan base, and they were, and they were out in droves. But the loser of this game was obviously 0-3. John, you can tell me if I'm right here. I was relieved when we were up there walking down. I was grateful that we're not 0-3 because that's a proud fan base and energetic fans. Absolute dejection walking out. No talking. And I think most Titan fans just, I mean, I feel for them. They're good fans. Walking out of their 0-3 would have been, I mean... Mm. It's not loser leaves town. I mean, it's it's a it's a long season. Landon, it's kind of hard to describe. Maybe John can do it better. It was just insolence, just absolute dejection. Oh, without a doubt. And we've done that walk, like pretty much the Walking yeah. Dead, where it, it's horrible walking across that walking bridge after a loss, and let alone stacking losses. It's just there's no worse feeling. But yeah, I mean, Raiders fans, they were devastated, especially after acquiring Devontae Adams, and everybody was making them that contender in the AFC West and to be 0-3 is somewhere that you can tell no Raiders fan expected to be. Our good friend and sometimes he appears on this show, Derry Shields, he flew in all the same day from Dallas (laughs) and he's a great Titans fan. We have the absolute best time with him. He is undefeated so we're trying to get him to get season tickets and just fly in uh, every game because and he was biting his fingers because he's proud of that streak. When he's been to a game in person, the Titans have never lost so he got to narrowly keep that but uh, we're just Glad to see Derry, and we we hope to have him on the show again soon. The Colts, they're one and one and one. They had a really excellent and honestly surprising win against the Chiefs. This is the NFL, though. It happens. They beat them in Indy. They are a better team at home, almost as much as any NFL team currently. I think they they just play better at home. That's a weird place to play. It's kind of hard to describe if you've never been there. 
they're a three and a half point favorite at home. Just as interesting to me, the over-under is just 43 in that dome. <laughs> we'll start with you, Landon. We don't gamble or encourage people to gamble, but it, Vegas does such good research that, that that's a really good place to start is the line and the over-under. So what do you think of, of where Vegas has this game? I want to say hammer the under, but it looks <laughs> the under very, 43? It sounds, what? Yeah, it sounds very enticing. When they do a number that stands out at you, John and Landon, to me, like 43, they're trying to get people to hammer the under, right? They're trying to trick yeah. people. So Landon, I think, is referring to that. So I'm just thinking of possible scores. So a 24-17 game would be 41. That sounds very possible because you look at the Colts. They won last week, but they scored 20 points, one of which was in the final minutes of the game. Matt Ryan didn't have huge counting stats. It was more that the Chiefs had several special teams mistakes that kept the Colts in the game, and the Colts defense played amazingly. So the Colts defense is really good. We've seen our offense, especially in the second half, just stop scoring. Mm-hmm. And if they're good in the first half, then that could be really low scoring for us. They've got a really tough defensive front. They were really good against the Chiefs run game last week, so that would slow down our best offensive weapon. And you look at their side, that Jags game is a bit of an asterisk because Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce were both out, so they're missing their top two receivers. Okay. So the first game against the Texans and then this game, they're not exactly lighting the world on fire. Like Matt Ryan has a lot of volume, right. doesn't have high efficiency. And even He's though the same guy he was in Atlanta with just a little better offensive line, I think. 27 of 37, 220 yards, two TDs, no interceptions, 57 QBR. He it's got sacked five times. The, I mean, he's yeah. he's reminiscent, except Jonathan Taylor didn't really get going. They won this on defense, as you said. They scored 20 points in one. Unless our defense continues to struggle, which I think with a quarterback like Matt Ryan, just where he's at physically, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not that scared of him just destroying us on that end. It's just a case of two very flawed offenses going up against competent defenses. We know like classic Titans football is an ugly 20-17 to 17 win, and that's yeah. easily hitting the under. John, what's your gut when you first saw that line, and what's your gut on this game? I think it's fair. I mean, you know, basically like Landon said, these teams both struggle, and usually you get a three-point favor for being the home team. We've talked about that kind of dissipating a little bit over the years, but that kind of puts these teams even and I kind of feel that that's fair you know both have a high-powered running attack that is not on track and once it gets on track both teams can be dangerous which takes some pressure off of their aging quarterbacks and with a lackluster core of wide receivers I feel like we have similar offenses like Landon said we both have pretty good defenses I feel like we're pretty much the same team uh, I think we're tougher yeah. they have a better offensive we're line, built similar think, though that's what yeah said. definitely I, I honestly would take the over I just think in today's NFL, most games are going to be at least 45 points. It doesn't always happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking I at five different... I think they go under because I think people yeah. just assume an NFL game is going to, going to have more points than that, sometimes on accident. Landon, Stephon Gilmore's played pretty well as, as a new Colt. We've seen him play really well in New England all those years. Uh, he's uh, Pro Football Focus has him as the 13th corner. Is he going to follow around Bobby Trees and just eliminate <laughs> him and then guys that have not produced? Do you worry about that? Or you've mentioned what a good defensive team... Indy is, what do you worry about most for that defense? The pass rush or Gilmore just shutting down the one guy that's looked good last week? I'm going to go in an entirely different direction, and it's the return of Shaquille Leonard, who hasn't played at all this season. He's a reigning three-time first-team All-Pro in four years. Arguably yeah. the best linebacker in football. And even yeah. though last year Henry bowled him over down the field and had a big play, he is still an, an elite talent, and he has a knack of being a thorn in our side. And just looking at their defense which has been pretty good all year, was excellent last week against the Chiefs of all teams. You add in like their best player by far who they haven't had, 
just not only that injection of energy and that just commanding leader type and that communication, but just his big playability we've seen with our team, it's hard for us to score. And with a guy like that who has the ability to force turnovers, to force mistakes, giving us even less opportunities to score what little we have shown so far is really frightening. Buckner is a really good player to force Buckner, their uh, defensive tackle. Cordy Pay, a guy you really liked in the draft, the mm-hmm. guy that came out of Michigan, was the 21st selection in 21. He's a really good player. I don't see him as super explosive, but he's good and he's graded out well. They're going to be on that right side. Petit Freer has acquitted himself okay for a, a third-round rookie. Is that the thing you worry about most? I'm just going to guess, having done this with you for four years, <laughs> that you're you're worried about that side. Because Ngakwe he's not p- played well. He's on that left side, maybe daily. If they have any sense, they'll just kind of move plays away from, from daily until he gets, if he can get his feet underneath them. You know me way too well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, DeForest Buckner, he's always a scary dude to me. He's gigantic. He plays really hard. He plays physical. He doesn't take mm-hmm. plays off. He has been a DNP so far this whole right. week. Rumor is that he's been doing work on the side. So I think we'll end up seeing him. Like you said, I was really high on Quiddy Pay. I think he's just a big physical dude, and he he was a really raw talent last year, and he did pretty well. So I I worry about those kinds of things because that's where our our offensive line lack of depth and inexperience could really hurt us. We're one injury away from having to play a very inexperienced Malik Willis. I know a lot of people are calling for that already, but it's not the right move. (laughs) Um, Not yet, no. No. So I'm very much worried about DeForest Buckner, Pay, and even, like you said, Ngakwe, he hasn't played well, but still he's a guy that couldn't hurt us. And then if you free up Shaquille Leonard, we could we could be in some trouble. So we got to take care of their defensive line and make sure that that's not going to kill us. Traylon Burks is the 34th wide receiver, according to Pro Football Focus. I know it's a short sample size, but it has been three games. He's ranked that, although he's only been on the field for 100 plays, including special teams. Why do the robots like Traylon Burks so much? Well, it's pretty obvious in that it's his efficiency per play is really good, partially because... It seems like he's only on the field really when we're trying to use him, so he's never on the field when it's going to other players. But so far, I mean, he has a really good catch rate so far. Good yards per catch, good A dot, really good yards at the catch. He just grades out really, really well in the efficiency metrics. Really want to see a game where we just play him the entire game. Because sure, it's yeah. not a conditioning thing. It's a working a rookie in, making him earn his snaps. In a game like this against the Colts, who I just checked, They are number one in the NFL in 2.6 yards per carry allowed on defense. That great of a rushing defense matches up with our offensive line. We're going to have to throw to win. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's scary when you think of it in that way. Strength against weakness. Yeah. Like you said earlier, Robert Woods probably going to get a lot of Stephon Gilmore. Though I think Gilmore will stay with either Woods or Burks, whoever is the outside receiver. So you think that Woods is probably going to have a really tough time. Burks is the guy that's going to have to show up. And it's hard for him to show up and have that level of just familiarity and rhythm if he's not on the field. Even if we just did what we did with A.J. Brown where he plays 70% of the snaps. Put him out there. Make him confident. Because... He is yeah. the type. He's the type of guy. Unless he's got Gilmore on him, you well, look at their other he did, backs, That would be yeah. Gilmore. <laughs> that would be <laughs> that we would get rid of Gilmore. Yeah. Uh, when Burks played Alabama last year, they put him literally all over the field. So I know it's an NFL playbook. I know it's NFL speed, but it seems to me like 
for better, for worse, just throw him out there and put him in yeah. space. I know they did that to A.J. Brown before he knew the whole playbook. And I know he's not A.J. Brown, but it seems obvious. And maybe this will be the week where we see he's on the field a lot more. I certainly hope so. We don't know every single thing. A guy that has played really well so far is Nate Davis. Continues to to show that uh, we can we can draft and develop good players. I'm excited about him. If the season ended today, I think we'd have two pro bowlers, Nate Davis and Jeffrey Simmons. Am I missing anybody? Who do you think has been our best players after three weeks? Definitely Simmons. I don't know. I guess Nate Davis. I mean, he's been, I don't know about pro bowl level, but he's played well. He was a DNP today with a knee issue. So let's hope that that's nothing major. I mean, if it were big, I feel like we'd know more about it right now. Nate Davis has played really well, and like you said, it gives us hope for developing players, because, you know, really, the drafts over the past couple years, they are pretty big question marks. I mean, we talk about we talk about well, Farley. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, We've you just start looking misses, at him. Uh, it's good to know we got some hits. Yeah, because sure. uh, uh, you start to look at the 2019 draft class, and with A.J. Brown gone, it doesn't sparkle like it did with him here. And then even, yeah. you know, drafts after that, it's just like, okay, we're not no. hitting in the first round. Like, no. what's the deal? Not consistently. And I'll say our linebackers, maybe not Pro Bowl level, they played really well along in Cunningham. Real quickly, Landon, do you have anybody else to add to that list? I would just throw in Stonehouse as an honorable mention. Yes. Like, yeah. Well played. Yeah, so far, he is first all-time in any year ever in the NFL in gross yards per punt at 57 the previous record was like 55, which is awesome. His net yards, I think he's only like thir- he's third in the NFL, I think, right now, which is yeah. still really good. Against the Raiders, we don't win that game without him punting for 60 yards per yeah. attempt. Which is really that hang time, that thing is in the air for Unreal. when you're at the thing, and it's a blast to see. Really and it fun. comes down like a knuckleball, too. Like It, bou- it could yeah. bounce any way. He had a casual 70-yard punt on Sunday, which... It yeah, we saw like it in the much. air forever. Yeah, just on the screen I was watching, it was like, it was within our own 20, and they caught it at like the 10. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, wow, that's a good punt. And then you think about it, and it's like, that's an amazing punt. <laughs> yeah, we did the same thing up there, uh, landing 331. I was like, man, we're, they're going to have a good field position. And then they got it at the 10. I was like, and I think the crowd didn't go crazy because it was just, it seemed like so effortless. But he kicked I think, nearly the length of the field. I don't think crowd the crowd went crazy because everybody's jaw was dropped. It's like, yeah, what in the hell? Amazing. That's not supposed to happen. No, absolutely. Let, let me ask you about Tannehill. I know, I think John mentioned some people already calling for Willis. I, I don't see that as being serious at this point. Tannehill played really bad, and so did the rest of our team against the Bills. Played pretty well Sunday, all things considered, and he played pretty well against the Giants. I think he's going to level out and be league average, maybe a little bit better. Matt Ryan is 29th in pro football focus among quarterbacks. He's, McVell said, just a lot of volume, not a lot of efficiency. What do you expect from Tannehill in this game in particular? Well, you mentioned that he'll level up to be average. If you look at the course of a full season with caveat that the Bills game should hopefully be the low, low point of our season. I think Tannehill's going to end up playing at an above average level because just on a play-to-play basis, I think he's been really good. You look at the play calls he's being forced into and the stuff he's making happen out of it. He is not the problem at all. I was kind of in that Doomer mentality against the Bills when he threw that awful pick six. <laughs> but the other two right. games, he hasn't been the reason we struggled. No, he's been I, the I reason we scored twenty points. That. Yeah, I think he gets blended in with the play calling. John, do you agree? I think he's been more or less pretty good. No, right. And I like Landon said, week two, everybody was a liability. It was just right. Not not throw the that night out because that was a massacre. <laughs> yeah, but he has not been bad. And you know, I keep the, honestly. 
this this kind of shows you what kind of fans we all the three of us actually are like i'm literally whenever i'm in the car i'm driving i'm like man i wonder what it'd be like to be an offensive coordinator like if i'm todd downing can i just not in the mic say hey ryan what do you want to run? What makes you feel comfortable? And I don't think that's happening. And maybe, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like well, we've talked about Downing at nauseum about his terrible play calling. But like at some point as an offensive coordinator, don't you have that relationship and rapport with your quarterback where it's like, hey, what do you want to run here? And he has like five plays and he chucks them up and what he feels best with. And maybe those, maybe that's happening. Maybe those are the plays where he looks pretty good and if we see more of that, I think we will see we will see a more confident Ryan Tannehill. But he has been he has not been our, uh, really bad this season. I want to get this take from both of you. So we'll start with you, big fellow. I think most NFL teams that run the type of offense that we do, they do have a tight end that they've developed. That if he's not a game breaker, not everybody has Kelsey. He's not a game breaker. He's a good third and long threat. And we saw in Johnny Smith's last season with us, and we saw Delaney Walker for years and then Frank Wycheck for years, a good third and long guy, a guy that it's just got really secure hands and has a athletic ability. I mean, I think it gets overlooked. But in the modern NFL, you see it, and I think it's absolutely essential, as good as guys are on the outside, to get that middle of the field. And you see that, you know, even last year when we had those interceptions, like you need a big guy that can come in and, come down with a ball or nobody's coming down with it. We've got very little. Now, I think Swain has actually been better than Hooper, but we've got very little, I think, from the tight end position from from a, let's if not explosive, from a third down perspective, from a we-need-this-catch perspective. And I think we take for granted that we've had some guys do it, and we just happen to be pretty good when we had those guys. Think about Walker when we finally got good again. I say all that to say, how could we have not done better, and how much do you think that affects our offense, it doesn't get said that we don't have that guy. I think that's a mediocre play caller's dream, right? We'll start with you, John. Yeah, no, I think like you like you started out, we've <laughs> we've always had these guys. And now that we don't have them, it's like, oh, it, we realize how much of, you know, a, ga- a, a glaring hole it is. I don't think Hooper's the guy. I don't think Swaim is the guy. Like you said, he's played better. And we don't really know enough about Chigakonkwo yet. Maybe, you know, he's kind of like body-wise, and he's a a Delaney Walker clone. But we got to see him get on the field more. Right. And we got to see him make some plays. I think he has potential. But yeah, we don't have that tight end threat. We don't have Mr. Reliable that we can go out there on third and four, kind of make sure that we get somebody to convert. We're letting Swaim do a little, uh, you know, crossing pattern and, you know, hopefully we can get it to him. And, and that's something that I think we really do miss. I, and I was actually thinking about Johnny Smith. I was like, man, I wonder uh, what kind of, because he's not, he's not being utilized a, a real lot up in New England. I wonder if he would have ever come back here. Like, you know, I, I think about these things throughout the day. I'm like, he's not coming back if, Sunday, right. but I mean, no. it could happen. People didn't I'm come like, back. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm uh, sitting here. I'm like, I wonder if he misses us as much oh, as we miss I, him. Like, I know. I, I would <laughs> miss him as he was two seasons ago. Landon, to my point, the safeties, the Colts are going to try out there because of injury or whatever else are not great. Blackman, McCloyd, it would be nice to have a threat down there, right? Yeah, for sure. And especially with Blackman dealing with an ankle injury, mm-hmm. he is a really fun, like, coverage field sa- free safety type. Right. And he's, but he's kind of banged up and right. just missing that tight end, really just missing dynamicism on the offensive receiving side in general is holding us back because Burks 
should hopefully grow into being that guy. Woods, right. just at this point in his career, and he's never really been that, just that killer on a given play. Like, we need to make a play, he's going to do that. He's just more steady and consistent. Yeah, he's more of a change so, guy. Yeah, he's so solid. And then everyone else, like, if Racy McMath were healthy, we could at least throw him out there to be a deep threat, but he's on IR right now. Josh Gordon hardly sees the field, and then, like, we've already mentioned about everyone else, just not really, we don't have that juice, and that's really just the main problem because, I mean, you just look in the NFL, every team is so explosive, and then we're having to pay the price of some bad draft picks, some some bad trades with Julio, and some just bad mismanagement of the offensive vision because now this season we're really struggling to see those consistent offensive plays. No, it's true. I want to see what the cornerback room looks like because Fulton should be back, which will be huge against Michael Pittman. Mm-hmm. I really just want to see... Can we just iron out all these little mistakes and kinks that we've been seeing? Terrence Mitchell hopefully shouldn't see the field since Fulton is back. Hopefully, last week was just Farley getting it knocked into his head because he had made some bad plays on Buffalo in Buffalo or whatever, and he's back mm-hmm. out there some. Just the Colts. I talk about us lacking explosiveness. They're not much better. They have better receiver depth. They have better guys like one through four you trust to be out there. Mm-hmm. But Michael Pittman isn't. Super explosive. He's like a bigger, better Robert Woods. Yeah. This isn't a team like we saw with Matt Collins last week where he just kept getting behind us for big plays on Terrence Mitchell. This isn't yeah. a team where that should happen. That was I just so want to see the cornerback that room. Matt Collins play where he just <laughs> stuffed him. Oh, man. Yeah, I just want to see the cornerback room just even out. I don't need to see the lockdown performances. I don't want to see the interceptions just be consistent because this is a team where you should get it right. Agreed. Like in 2019, we didn't have a ton of talent, but everybody's on the same page, and I'm ready as the season goes along, starting Sunday, John, for everybody to at least look that they know where they're supposed to be. As far as as the NFL at large, what are you looking forward to most, John? I'm going to guess Jags at Eagles, <laughs> but, you know, I, like we said earlier, I know you pretty well. You know, early season hype is one thing. Everybody just, oh, they're good, this, that, but these teams have looked better. Uh, I caution people, if you go after the first three weeks of the season, you're going to make yourself look dumb, but all that said, this is the the game of the week, right? I think uh, it definitely can be. I think Buffalo-Baltimore is another good one. Yeah. Uh, totally. I mean, we're looking at two explosive mobile quarterbacks that are right now lighting the world on fire. So I think that's going to be an interesting game as well. But yeah, <laughs> when you initially asked the question, that's where my eyes went first, yeah. is the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and the Eagles, because obviously A.J. Brown, I always like to keep tabs on what he's doing to see what we are missing yeah, <laughs> and to see so if they're legit. It's, and it's a danger. So it's like if you break out with somebody or they break up with you and then you keep them on social media and you check out what they're up to, nothing good comes from that. So no, nothing. I, at I all. would recommend, I don't know that I want to watch any highlights, especially as good as these look so far, AJ Brown and Philly. Yeah. And then again, on the other side of that coin, like what if the Jags walk into Philly and bump them? Well, then are the Jags I think that's what for makes real? it intrigging. Yeah. Right. Like, are they for real? What if that happens? <laughs> <laughs> and it could happen. I mean, because everybody seen, down here is yeah. kind of like, oh, okay, we'll see it. But what if they do that? I mean, I mean, we've seen the Eagles. We've seen them stumble before. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's the off. NFL, yeah. so everybody has an off game. Every team has a bad loss every year. Yeah. Um, I mean, did the Bills expect to lose to? To Miami last week? No, not a chance. No, so it'll but. be interesting how they how they bounce back. But they're going to have their hands full with Lamar. Yeah, Lamar, I can tell you that. Landa, what stands out for you this weekend outside of the Titans game? The London game. This is the first cool. of the year. Is Viking Saints. I'm interested to see just how both these teams look because they're expected to be wild card contenders. Maybe outside chance of being of winning their divisions with the Packers and the Bucks looking mortal. But just they've both had some pretty just 
weird starts to the season. Like the Saints could be the Saints would probably be zero and three. The Falcons didn't have a knack for blowing sixteen point leads in the fourth quarter. But you look at this. Jameis Winston is really hurt. Like he's got multiple fractured vertebrae in his back, which is Hmm. which is really bad. But he's been he hasn't been the problem. Like he looked bad against the Bucks in Week Two, but he was in just trying to make something happen. Right. The London games are always weird, I think, just because... Oh, yeah. Every, they look jet-lagged, and they're always sloppy every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are two headcase quarterbacks and headcase teams, so I expect it to be fun for people that aren't fans of those teams, because it's going to be ugly in a fun way, right? Yeah, I'm interested to Plus, see Plus, we if... get football at 8.30 in the morning. I love right, that. right. Yeah. But yeah, it's nice. Just wake up, turn on some football. And Boom. We'll, we will see if Justin Jefferson gets locked up for the third week in a row against... Last week, the Lions didn't have an elite corner. They just did a lot of bracket coverage, but... Darius Slay owned him two weeks ago on Monday night. Yeah, Marshawn yeah. Lattimore is a lot yeah. more hot and cold than Darius Slay, but he has that talent and that yeah. just that track record of rising up to the big moments. Like he plays a lot better against the best receivers than the scrubs. So we'll see because early on, especially in Week One, when Justin Jefferson has this huge game, I was telling you guys I thought he was going to break. 2,000 yards, he was going to be Offensive Player of the Year, like arguably the first overall pick in fantasy, blah, blah, blah. Then after that amazing start, two weeks of being locked up. So we'll see if he can bounce back. And Chris Olave has been really fun for the Saints. He's gotten so yeah, many yeah. targets. He's a good player. It just, should just be a fun game. Hopefully it's a fun, high-scoring start to our Sunday morning. He's had, what, like 18 targets over the last two weeks? I mean, yeah, for a rookie, to feed him and unreal. He's or I think it, he had 13 against the Bucks. And I think he had like 10 last week, so he's, that's like over 20. <laughs> I, I thought he would be good there. I didn't think he was amazing in Ohio State, but I thought he'd be good. But considering they have two established veterans, I'm surprised to see him be targeted the last couple weeks as much yeah. as he had. So yeah, he's I looked think really in practice, good. he must be just yeah. be blown up. Yeah, I was kind of worried about him just being kind of soft, but he yeah, obviously hasn't had that issue yet because he had like 100 yards on the Bucks, and then he had 143 yards last week. So he's doing yeah. something right. I think he can play. I think he's proving that. Well, and I think that Vikings-New Orleans matchup, I mean, what, for the last five years, that's always been a show of fireworks. So I think them being across the pond is... And being those two teams, it makes it a little bit more intriguing as well. What was it, the wild card loss where yeah, Stephon Diggs, right? Wasn't it, oh, no, was no, it Stephon was, Diggs? That was, the, that was the divisional. Mm-hmm. That was the divisional round when Diggs had the game where his time expired. The wild card was a couple of years ago when the Vikings went to New Orleans and beat them in overtime. Mm. Right. That was 2018, I think. That was like the last great. Drew Brees Saints team. That was a, one of the, the last heartbreakers they had of many heartbreakers when they were kind of <laughs> at the end of their prime there, their window, for sure. Well, that's it for Tennessee Titans talk this week. We got you ready for Colts Titans. Well, what can you say? This is always a tough weekend to go up there, and they're riding some pretty good momentum. Maybe we can make something happen. Our offensive line can somehow hang in there, and we can make them pay. Excited for this weekend of football. Hope everybody's doing great out there. Follow us wherever you listen to us. Give us a review. Teach somebody how to work podcasts. And until then, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.